So um, <clears throat> as I sit here before giving this talk, this Dharma talk tonight, the first night of our retreat, I'm feeling a lot of gratitude for being here, for being able to be reminded again and again of the Buddha's teachings and the practices of the Dharma. It's so easy to forget and to get lost in this world and to get overwhelmed um, by the intensity of it all and the pressing issues that we're all in the midst of. So I'm grateful to Spirit Rock to everything that's gone into bringing this place about and I know it's a huge amount and to all involved that has enabled this space to be such a beautiful container for us for this practice. So tonight I want to talk about a very important part of this practice. Sometimes it's considered one of the foundations. It's like building when we're building a house, it's good to have good foundations. And this is the practice of what's called samatha, which literally translates as calming or stilling the mind. It's the territory of focusing and training of the mind to focus. It's connected and supports the development of what's called samadhi, Samadhi is the core of the meditative practice, the gathering and the infusion of body, mind and heart uh, with a quality of luminous presence of the jitta, of the heart itself. And that's built on this quite patient um, training of samatha, of again and again training of attention in a particular kind of way. The Buddha said in the Dhammapada, I do not perceive even one thing that leads to such great harm and suffering as an undeveloped and untrained mind. And I do not perceive even one thing that leads to such great benefit and happiness as a cultivated mind. So just as a context for the practice to understand that we have the ability to enter a training, which is what this retreat is offering, um, besides many other pieces, like great food. <laughs> you noticed <laughs> beautiful surroundings and beautiful company but it is also a training and um, I think many of us come into a retreat and we think oh that's it I'll sort of kick back and have a kind of cruise along have a great time and very quickly we start to realize it's not that easy to do nothing you know, as, as people say well you're really lucky you're going on a retreat you know, it sounds blissful, but those of us that have been in this for a long time, and many of you, know that it's actually, it's work, really, 
to some degree it's uh, it's an engagement with the training but the training that is planting of seeds that can flower into that which is nourishing and supporting and liberating so it's a very conscious it's helpful it's a, a very conscious undertaking um, that we undertake a training because we know that we experience suffering of one sort or another that we get caught up in our patterns. So this samatha, the, the mechanics of it is actually simple in a certain way. It's quite simple. It's the practice of bringing attention to an object that helps calm and steady. For example, the breath, which is the most fundamental practice that the core practice that the, te- the Buddha taught. But it can be another positive object candle flame or flowing river or ocean or sunset or the landscape that which calms and steadies but it's particularly powerful when we bring that attention into the body itself and work with breath energy So this calming and the stilling of mind, and it's important because the Buddha, as the Buddha said, also said, mind is the forerunner of all things. Upon this mind, upon the intentionality of the mind, the experience that we have is generated. Many, many causes that bring about the experience that we have, but fundamentally at the core, it's very dependent on the focus and the intentionality and the patternings of the mind. And so when that's aligned, then it generates you know, wholesome, clear experience. When it's not aligned and we're sort of off track, and then we, we kind of find ourselves in these loops, these old stories where we get oppressed actually by various forms of difficulty and suffering. and um, So the mind, mind, is very powerful. And that's what we're looking at and training and exploring and contemplating. What is this mind? That's a very deep question but to just start in a simple accessible way it's not simple in a reductive sense but something we can actually on the first night of a retreat get a little bit of a handle on one way we can think about mind is not just some often when we think mind we think thinking mental activity but in a deeper sense everything is within mind Mind suffuses everything. So mind includes the totality of our experience. So it includes body and it includes the felt sense, the feeling tones as well, the emotional body. So one way of beginning to move into this territory of calming and steadying is to think of it as a more fuller, holistic way than just, I'm just here trying to keep my thoughts quiet. And if you noticed, when we approach it like that, it tends to we tend to stand up setting up quite a battle zone, which we usually fail. 
as the mind, thinking mind, tends to have its own movements. So if we just think of mind just as there is the mental activity and there is a certain calming and steadying and training around the mental activity, but the mental activity is also connected with what's felt, what's felt connected with our embodied experience and the energetics and patterning within the body. So this calming and steadying therefore has to begin to include our embodied experience. And we can think of that one way of thinking about that or getting a sense or a handle of that is to consider that we are working with primarily three streams of energy. It's called the Skaya Sankara, the Jitta Sankara and Vajji Sankara. These are the Pali words, words that the the scriptural language of uh, Theravada that we're using. But it helps us give territories, helps us put us in territories. Kaya, Sankara. Sankara is this word, it's a very profound word. Something like conditioning or patterning. It's a bit like if you, if you have a hard drive, just to put in a contemporary metaphor that's blank. There's nothing on there. And then you put programs on that and then you run the programs. I mean, I'm, that's a very basic I know very sophisticated technology. But those programs, you don't, you know, they're running through primarily what is essentially a, an empty hard drive that then has material. In the same way, this mind, this jitta, is like a mirror, is one way of thinking of it. It's, 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 it has a, an emptiness to it. It doesn't have, there's, there's nothing there really that's, that's a sort of a, a core something about it, other than a, a luminosity, um, a reflectiveness, it can reflect, it's, it can illuminate, it's conscious, it's consciousness. But then there's these patterns and these programs that get sort of put in, really, or accumulated, or a part of what's called the anusaya, the un, underlying tendencies, karmic tendencies that run through our life, our lifetimes, from um, from our from so many sources, from our ancestral lineages, from our familial lineages, from the conditionings we've received, all the voices and beliefs that we've ingested, all the ways that we think about ourselves. So this sankara, this literally means that which is put together. And because it's put together, it can also fall apart. <laughs> it can also be deconstructed mindfully. It also it, it arises, it has a, an energy and a length of time, and it and it, and it dissolves. And, um, there's a lot to say about sankara, but the sankara is that which actually the patterns of the body, the kaya sankara, this one stream of energy, it's very deep, the way that we feel patterning in the body. Jitta Sankara. This is a this is a deep way that we experience the impressions, the patterning of what's felt at the core of what we feel. I am. You know what the impressions that we've received. Um, 
that usually have an emotional content to them. And they're sort of layered. So that also comes up as our experience. In the questions it was mentioned about anxiety, it's a very deep sankhara that's patterned into the jitta that we all experience. And other, other feelings. And then the vajji sankhara, this means the mental, the thinking. Vajji literally means speech, but the internal way we speak, the inner speech. So these are the three body, heart, emotion, feeling, mental activity, mind. These are the three territories that we begin to train within this samatha, this gathering, focusing, connecting with, using attention to connect with a calming object that we're resting that attention on. And each of these three domains are helped by particular kinds of ways we can lean into that practice, that we can bring together and support that practice of samatha, of calming, of steadying the mind. In brief, the kaya sankara, the body, the patterning of the body, the body itself is really helped by this meditation that we were doing before we started the Dhamma talk, which was a focusing on being with breath, the anapanna sati, the mindfulness of inhalation and exhalation, mindful of giving, being in the body in this way, being entering the body space, not just in a reactive way, but actually training to be embodied, feeling within the body the experience of breath. Buddha talked in the first foundation of mindfulness, there's one phrase, which is sabbakaya patisangwedi, and again in the Pali language, but it's helpful to go back to that language because it carries a deeper meaning often, which means sabba means the all, kaya, all body, whole body, bhati, uh, sangwedi. Wedi means to uh, to uh, feel, feeling. Um, sang means with, pati, through, completely. So to completely, in, in an embodied way, feel with breath. So there's this invitation not to be in a, dis- it's not like a disembodied observer somehow floating above our embodied experience, a bit disassociated. But it's coming into body, inviting the tension that's usually really running away from the body, our embodied experience, because our embodied experience is on the whole not very comfortable, and on the whole that's because we don't give the body much attention, (laughs) or we give it the wrong kind of attention, Uh, not very kind attention, or very unconscious, We, we kind of run the body through our unconscious patterning, we have all sorts of demands of it, all sorts of judgments of it, um, all sorts of ways that we treat it, you know, it's sort of a bit sluggish, we sort of chuck a bunch of caffeine down and drag it along behind this, you know, our mind that's kind of going somewhere until it starts to play up, you know, and then we, oh, we got a body. <laughs> So it's not comfortable at first for us. 
to come into the body space often. This is why we've been offering the qigong on the retreat um, to help us feel more comfortable in the body. So you get a taste when you do those. This is not sometimes in the retreat. It's like, oh, the exercise is like something outside that we just do. But this is like actually a part of the retreat. This is a part of the development of samadhi is to do those qigong. So I encourage you all to come to those sessions because sometimes that's when we get the feeling through movement, start to feel well in our body. You feel that energy and lightness that can come from just a little bit of practice, a little bit of extra effort in a certain kind of way. Except in the qigong, there's, it's quite subtle. Guys, stretching, working with the energy, helping to just untangle some of the blocks in the body through those movements, through the breath. So to work with the the the, the kaya, the bodily form, the external bodily form, firstly holding the body rather than holding our body with all of the way we the mind projects onto it. Holding it with more this can also support the samadhi, the focusing, the samatha practice, the calming practice. To just hold as we come into relationship with um, positive thoughts, actually. Accepting thoughts. Um, kind thoughts. Merciful thoughts <laughs> about this body. And that, that can be supported and helped by actually considering that this body... It's not really ours. One of the centralities of our the illusions that we labour under is this feeling that you know we own the body. But what we find, as Ajahn Chah, our teacher, would say, did that body give you? Um, did did it ask you permission to get a cold? No, it just did its thing. Bodies do their things, as we all find out in the course of a lifetime. We can help them a lot. But, you know, they have their own nature, including the nature of impermanence, the nature of all bodies. So when we, when we think of it as, oh, this is who we, you know, this is me and this mine, and it should be a certain way, when we think like that, it generates a lack of compassion, stress. But when we think it's part of nature, you know, this is, belongs to nature, we're giving it one day back to nature, then it sort of brings us into a different relationship. So these are ways of even beginning to think that support our practice of samatha because it starts to help us relax, to have that sense of kindness. And then as we come in to the, you know, to the practice of being with breath rather than just imposing that as a technique, we first say, how am I actually feeling here? So that's kind. What's, what's present here? What am I with? And accepting. You know, this is also beginning to work with the jitta sankara, the, the patterning of the heart, because even deeper, um, the heart can be patterned and programmed and conditioned in sort of grooves, habitual grooves that it goes towards, ways that we think about ourselves, the ways we feel about ourselves. It's a bit like in uh, South Africa, 
when the big rains come. I'm sure here as well. Um, I've come from a country originally from the UK where we didn't used to. Of course, now you can't say anything about the weather that's normal. But we sort of had a more soggy climate than big rains. And so the, the land there is quite gentle, was changing. In South Africa, where we are, it's very dramatic. The land is very powerful and the weather patterns are very strong very elemental. So you get these very large rains that would then come down the mountainscape where we are. And then they would go down these, what they call dongas there, these kind of funnels in the land. And then eventually kind of, just down the road from where we are, the Uzumkuru River, which is a very pure and beautiful river that comes from the from Lesotho and the high mountains of Lesotho just behind us. 10,000 feet, the source, and it comes down and goes out at Port Shepston near Durban, a very wide, deep river. But you can see over millions of years how that water has worn down through volcanic rock. And so now there's these huge volcanic rocks that kind of hold the river as, as she flows on. So there's this kind of way that the, like the mind, the water, flows in certain directions. It goes along the pathways that's there. And so we have these dongas of the mind. And the way that the mind, the untrained mind, will tend to go to uh, thinking patterns, feeling tones. It's just as a habit. Again and again, and we deepen those grooves. Just find ourselves going there. So this training of a, a cognitive moment, a, a mindful moment, a kind moment, just to accept what we usually don't accept what we're, about ourselves, what we're feeling. Just a gentleness before we then pick up the practice. This helps to retrain those dongas, take, recreate a different pathway. It can be just a very subtle shift of relationship. And then this, this, what helps to calm the jitta, to help to untangle those deep patterns, those deep feelings where we you go to anxiety, which was named tonight, to a sense of loss, to a sense of being confused or perturbed or upset or just going to that problem again and again. It's just to, just may, may I hold myself when I'm feeling in this body with, with kindness, with space, acceptance, accept it, accept it. A deep way of counteracting that experience we have of resistance. You know, a lot of resistance. So we come into life in relationship with a sense of resisting, re- resisting it, <laughs> defending very good reasons for that. But when we're in safe space, when we're laying on our bed, we can just really soften and allow what's there to be felt. And then we can start to pick up the practice. So then we seed the practice into a ground that's actually receptive rather than a struggle. Because we need a lot of patience with this practice because the mind's in these patterns will be pulled out. So if you have that patience, you know, we can start again. 
So the jitta responds very much to kindness. It responds to to happiness, to this quality of of pleasure, well-being. So it's like saying in the in the um, guided meditation, it can feel everything can feel really horrible, <laughs> but there might be one thing that's okay, like my ears are okay, <laughs> or my toes are okay, or when I'm walking and I just feel the ground, that feels good. So I just you know take a few steps. So these ways of breaking those patterns, reversing the flow of the mind going in its usual directions. So calming the jitta, calming the heart, soothing the felt sense. These deepening breaths, they can help to soothe. You can even use words like soothing, calming, focusing. So these are supports. These are ways of helping to support this gathering of the mind. And then we can pick up this method. I find it very helpful because the mind is so fickle, because it's always going to go to the problem or the thing, or what I've got to do, my list. You know, is to give the mind, as we start to practice this samatha and focusing, bringing attention to the experience of the breath, from the feeling of the breath coming into the nostrils, down through the body, and then tracking the breath out, or as I was, that's sometimes called the long breath, the whole of the breath, sometimes called a short breath, where the attention just comes to a place in the breath body, as felt as sensation. One breath, two breaths. Sometimes what I found helpful is to count. You know, like if I can get to five breaths, that's quite good actually. But the mind actually likes something to do. You know, so give it, give it a project that it can succeed at. If you're going to give the mind a project in meditation, make sure it's one it can succeed at. So lower the bar a bit, usually. It's like I'm going to sit here unmoving for two hours all afternoon and watch every breath. You might want to just start with, can I do five breaths? And you can actually just touch your little finger, breathing in. I followed that whole breath. Next finger. So, you know, and then start again. Okay, three got to three, okay, well, let's just lower it even more, just do three. <laughs> and then that feeling of, I got there, and start again. So, to, and then you can notice how you feel at the beginning of a session, and notice then how you feel at the end of applying the practice. So you start to feel the feeling of the result, the fruit. And that's really important. Rather than having the fruit of the practice, like Nibbana, Enlightenment, you know, like joining the unified field of the cosmos, <laughs> dissolving all the, you know, I mean, those are great intentions and great focuses, but it, but then we can easily set ourselves up for feeling really like a failure, which isn't very helpful. I'm such a useless meditator. That kind of an idea. You know, we say, well, just notice, actually, just if we notice, you notice, you feel, you do something like apply the practice, five breaths, you'll feel a little bit more something, a little bit more buoyant, maybe. 
A little bit more energy, a little bit more effort will come. So calming the jitta, calming the body by bringing attention in and being with the breath, giving it something in the jitta, the heart. Calming with metta, kindness, acceptance as we start. Then the thinking mind, this is also the thinking mind, giving it something to do, begins to help steady it helps to focus that. This can also be supported, all of this, this samatha practice, can also be supported by some very important spiritual parameters, spiritual um, powers that we develop in this practice. Because sometimes we're just looking for the result too much as well but we're not looking at what we're developing in the process. You know, over years, you know, I realize perhaps, not talking, you know, just generically the I, that we can realize that something triggered us and that we're much more able to either manage that situation or if we completely lost it, we recovered more quickly or something comes that's really difficult and we, met, we notice that there's some more equanimity. We don't exactly know when that happened, but over time the fruits come and we can start to see that there are these results. And then there can be uh, you know, something that can be really supported by these, these, you know, these parameters as they grow in our life. They not only bring fruits, but they actually make everything, every moment a place of work, a place of practice, work in the sense of practice. Every moment we can apply this parameter for the sake of supporting this gathering and focusing. So one frame that we can also use is the parameter of nikamma, which means renunciation, to renounce, to, to let go, which is really a powerful um, suggestion for the mind. And the samatha, the focusing meditation, actually depends on a certain amount of renunciation. We have to renounce our addiction to our thoughts. <laughs> The, the, the idea that if we think enough we'll get to a solution if someone was asking about what to do about a gnawing problem um, and you know for, for the most time and I, I certainly do this a lot I sort of feel if I just think it through enough somehow some solution will come but often we just get more and more tangled more and more caught up in a, in a sort of corridor that goes nowhere, labyrinth, that doesn't have an exit. You know, not trusting that actually if we put ourselves into this practice, then there are ways that responses come from a whole different part of consciousness of our being. They have a much, they're informed by a much deeper knowing and intuition and clarity. So this renouncing attitude, it doesn't mean like, oh, I'm going to put a hair shirt on and give everything away. It could mean that. But actually it tends to be more subtle because you can do all that and still be really attached to stuff, I can promise you. (laughs) Having been 12 years in a monastic life, 
That's my cup. <laughs> that might not have much, but that's mine. <laughs> you know, just sort of transfers onto other things. But this refrain, talking of monasteries, that we would do every day in our monastic practice, all that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise, will become separated from me. And that sounds a little heavy. You know, monastic training is a little heavy. But it's real. It's not meant to be a contemplation to say, well, therefore I don't care. That would be picking up in the wrong way. Ajahn Chah told one of his disciples, you know, who was living in his hut and didn't fix the roof. And the rain was coming in. And Ajahn just said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm practicing letting go. And he said, well, that's kind of like idiot letting go. Go fix your roof, you know. It's not that we don't care. You know, it actually makes things more precious. It's an, it's an inner refinement to keep returning to this, none of this belongs to us. This is the reality. It belongs to nature. It's hers. It all come from her. All the houses, all of this material that we're sitting within. Where did it come from? It didn't come from us. So it's all going to go back to her. <laughs> so let's just get used to it a bit quicker. And we won't get surprised. And we had the fires recently. We were in Sonoma. So we definitely were very aware and have been the last three years these fires. And I was just reflecting as we had an evacuation uh, pretty close for comfort. And I was reflecting on Ajahn Chah's teaching that when your house burns down, don't burn down with it. Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, when, when there's loss, there is going to be loss. There is loss. We're living in a world of loss that we don't have to lose with that, that we can find this inner refuge. So this is the practices that help support that. To, to, let, to let things be, to let things go. Well, this, you know, this is a rather hackneyed story, but some of you might not have heard it when Ajahn Chah was walking with his disciples on arms round, and he pointed to these very large boulders and said, are those heavy? Oh, yes, Lumpur, their venerable father, they're very, very heavy, very heavy boulders. And he said, well, they're not if you don't pick them up. So in, in a way, this samatha, this focusing, this renunciant, supported by kindness, supported by releasing, letting be, letting things go, trusting, letting go. It's a bit like we're emptying the boulders out of the mind. You know, all of the problems, we just, this meditation retreat, you can think of it like that. You, know, you just sort of pile them up somewhere nicely. Well, that one's a big, heavy one. It's just, you know, we just put that there. You know, don't have to struggle with it all so much, perhaps. Some things resolve themselves, actually, mysteriously, when we hold them in the right way. So these are ways of working with the cognitive, with the jitta, with the heart, with the body, these deep patterns. Slowing down this retreat, 
another way that we can work with the samatha, the calming, the focusing. It's not just about, sometimes it sounds like we're just aiming, and it is, and there's a lot in the suttas, in the training around developing deep jhanic absorptions, which means that the, the it means that there's a suffusion of the energies of body, mind, and heart. They, they really are suffused into a, a wholeness. And that's very, very pleasant. We would call it the highest pleasure, higher than the sense pleasure. And it can be very subtle in that process, very subtle experience of refined experience of awareness, consciousness. And the mental thinking can subside. So there is that kind of a training, focusing in the training, that leads to a deep sense of calm. It can lead to uh, clarity. But it's also, for the most part, not dependent upon um, conditions, silence, containment non-distraction. So that wasn't considered an end goal in itself in this path, but as a support to the end goal. The end goal is to be liberated regardless of circumstance or even what state of mind we're in actually. To know the liberated jitta, the liberated heart. It's already liberated, just realizing that more deeply. But, the, but a, perhaps a more realistic way of, and a more integrated way of thinking about this samatha, this focusing, is this gathering of all of the energies, suffusing all the energy of the body, mind, and heart with awareness, with presence, through this training of attention. So there's not something that's in the way. But that what's in the way can start to be included with our breath practice. So you're sitting, and gathering, focusing. How is it now? And it's all workable. You start to being with the breath, tension, feeling the breath. You think, well, I've got this pain, I can't do it. Or I feel upset, I can't do it. And that would be a wrong understanding. It's a better understanding is it's all workable. This is something we then start to bring into that practice. Can I take my breath and awareness to what's felt through the body without getting tangled up? So this is when you're taking a deep breath through the body, through the feeling, soothing, calming, breathing out, releasing, adjusting. Ajahn Lee, who was considered the great... Jhana Samadhi, practitioner of Thailand, he would talk about adjusting the breath to help, so, you know, to help maintain a sense of well-being, to help soothe and untangle those energetic snags in the body, to help brighten and uplift the mind when it's caught in sadness and self-recrimination for some reason or another. So you can explore. So there's some agility. 
with this method, bringing attention to breath. And breath isn't just in and out, in and out. It's the breath body sensation as well. It's the wayodatu, the air element, is what we're actually contemplating and we experience breath as sensation as well as the mechanical in and out. And so there can be a calming, a scattering, and that sensation can become very subtle. Bodily experience can become subtle, uh, light, through this focusing of attention. When the mind is focused in attention, it's very powerful. And then when you apply that attention in a certain kind of way, not just thinking about your problem, but when you apply that attention with the fullness of the jitta, the heart, the awareness, presence, then things are, things are illuminated. Understanding happens. Healing can happen within this body, mind, heart processes. So little by little, this is a very, very patient part of the, of, of the training. Because mind is like the mind, it's very fickle, it kind of goes all over the place. But it's returning, how is it, this very, using a question like, how is it now? Get back to the breath, you, you hopeless meditator, you. <laughs> so, uh, just how is it now? I'm just wandering all over the place, that's okay. Compassion. It's going to, we're going to be wandering all over the place a lot. Can I take three breaths? Can I deepen my breath so I really feel the breath in the body? Breathe down into the ground. Feeling the oxygen fusing through the body. Breathing out, softening the jaw, softening the Letting the shoulders drop, letting the belly drop. When I'm walking, dropping the shoulders, softening the belly, ah, slowing down, coming into the belly. So this exploring, exploring, giving yourself opportunity to explore. So this is the path activity that we're practicing. The Buddha said, which means the path activity in and of itself breaks up that which obstructs, breaks up the kilesa, that which not only obstructs, but the, that which is not purified yet, that which isn't resolved, that which isn't healed yet. It helps break that up. So the path activity. And then the fruits of that path arise, he went on to say, according to the Dharma. You know, that there are fruits of this path, but they arise according to the, the, the natural law of unfolding. You know, if we come from the place of I have to bring about those fruits, I have to make this work, then it's a really big burden. And it's also wrong view. <laughs> We're coming from a false assumption. But if we come from the places, what we're doing here is 
developing the path. That's, you know, moment by moment, planting these seeds and watering them. And then we let them grow according, like all seeds grow according to the mysterious nature. Then there will be fruits, those fruits were going to come. So this is this is a, this path activity at the heart of this path is this training of the attention here now to be here, mindfully here, mindfully present. What's happening now? And then in that particular way, in a very very simple way, very brilliant way that the Buddha taught: breathing in, breathing out, one breath at a time. It's like taking medicine. We're taking medicine here. It's not always pleasant to take medicine, um, but we allow that medicine to work on us over this next 10 days that we're together. And in that process is our healing, is our fulfillment. It's little by little our liberation and our ability to respond more fully to what needs to be responded to internally and externally with mindfulness, with wise reflection and with compassion. So for those that um, would like to continue practice, there's a walking period now for half an hour, which is um, sometimes beautiful to go out into the night. (laughs) Um, Something we don't often feel in our culture, is it? Um, And to be uh, with the being cocooned by that night with the stars out and just to walk for a while do our walking practice Um, each step each breath Um, if you wish to continue sitting that's fine as well if you need to rest please feel free to do so please look after yourself on this retreat to maintain well-being And then we uh, have a final meeting of the evening for those that uh, can make it, nine o'clock, to just finish with a sitting and a sharing of blessings from our day's practice.